Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, just sitting there normally, right? Yeah. Not doing anything unusual. I think we should have started this with taking the A train. I think we should have changed up our music. Well, let's do that. Okay, how about this? All right. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Take the A train to find the quickest way to get to Harlem. Um, we did. Okay. <laughs> thanks to thanks to the magic of post production, we did. So that was taking the A train. Who made that song? Oh boy, I don't know who originally composed it. To be honest. Well, I think I think we should find out. Well, who who just performed it? Well, there's many versions. <laughs> well, what's the one you selected like a week from now? Uh, I don't know. The Shirelles? <laughs> did they do a train? No, it's a jazz tune. Oh, uh, John Coltrane. Did he do it? Let's go with Coltrane, man. Or maybe I should just do it. Oh, is that that song? Yeah, Taking the A-Train. That's a good song. Is it instrumental? Because you know a lot of those instrumentals actually have lyrics. What, the old jazz tunes? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Taking the A-Train. I'll bet that's it. (laughs) bet you're right. Okay, well... Let's go with Duke Ellington's version. Duke Ellington did the A-Train at the beginning of this episode. I hope everyone liked it. The Duke. We haven't heard it yet. That's right. Um, so, Chuck, I know that you know what a subway is because we've been on the subway together. Yeah. Do you remember when we were in New York? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was for ABC Go. Our first little opportunity there. And we were going to meet Yumi. Oh, yeah. And I um, remember I met Yumi, uh, that was that where in you that met bar her? afterward. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I worked with her, but then I was like, that was the first time you ever hung out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we were we were going, and that was my first time in the New York subway. And I remember we were looking at the subway map. Yeah, and um, the 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 whole thing just turned into like this series of confusing lines to me. And like <laughs> yeah. suddenly I was blind and like holding your arm, and like <laughs> I turned, I had the mind of a child, and not even like a really bright child right. either. It was just kind of like, what does it say? Um, and I can report after being back in New York with Yumi several times that I do that to her still to oh, this really? day. The New That's York. That's because we're enabling you is what's going on. I think it is. I think if you guys had thrown me in and be like, yeah, you know, figure it out, figure it out, Adult. I, I could have. Yeah. But I don't have to. Right. Um, and, uh, it's kind of nice because it's really confusing. So when you go to New York, you just kind of like, just go with Yumi's wind. Wherever she blows. Kind of, yeah. but the wind is coming from her heavy size that she's the one who has to like read the subway map <laughs> right. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but now that I've read this article, how subways work, mm-hmm. I don't understand the New York subway system any more than I did before I read this article. Right. But I can tell you that the rails are made of 35 foot long pieces of carbon steel that are five and a half inches <laughs> tall yeah. and one and a half inches wide. That's right. And... You could run any train, any train on the world, yeah. in the world on those rails. Not in the world, but at least in New York. Because <laughs> I guess there's different gauges. But there, it, the New York subway system was designed so that you could just kind of, hey, if you wanted to, like, go to Cleveland yeah, on a subway train, you could. Yeah. That's how it's designed. Yeah, they could put it on just a regular railroad track. Right. And, and go, go to, to Cleveland. Cleveland. 
And then you get to Cleveland and you go, geez, I want to go back to New York. <laughs> Cleveland's where the first stoplight in the country was. Did you know that? Really? Yep. I like Cleveland. I'm just kidding. That's where my home away from home is now. Oh, yeah. Well, I always thought it was a... Uh, no, they're in Akron, but yeah, it's a suburb of Cleveland. I never realized that. And I'm from Ohio, and I didn't realize that it was a suburb. Yeah, it's like a half hour or so. I always thought Akron was more toward Dayton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Dayton. Let's talk about it. All right. Let's talk about subways. The Metro in France. Yeah. In Paris. Yeah. 547 uh, yards. Every 547 yards, you're going to find a subway station. Yeah. That's pretty good. No, no, no. Not even. There, there's no building in Paris that's more than 547 right. yards from a stop. Boy, I botched that one. No, but it really, you help build up the drama. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the tube in London, mind the gap, everyone. Yeah. Um, 275 stations and, uh, our dear beloved New York subway system, mm-hmm. 468 as of now. Packed into like 260 square miles. 240, or yeah, which is, that's pretty impressive. And that's why the New York subway system looks like a plate of spaghetti. Man, it's really tough to read. It's not just me. It can't just be it's me. It's not. You just have to zero in on your area and then you're like, oh, just, you got to blur your eyes and block out everything else. Yeah. And then everyone behind you is looking at you like, tourist. Yeah, exactly. He's got his eyes crossed. And why, why is, does that guy next to him look like Ronnie Millsap all yeah. of a sudden? Cause I saw him walk down here just fine. Uh, the London Underground is the oldest. Opened in 1863. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Metro was next in 1900. Mm-hmm. And New York, not far behind in 1904. And Tracy, who wrote a very thorough article. This is a Tracy V. Wilson joint. Yeah, you know it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, she points out that mm-hmm. this they all kind of happen within pretty dense space of time because the Industrial Revolution. People are out in farming and then they're like, screw this. I need a decent egg roll. Yeah. I'm going to move into the city yeah. where I can get a job in a factory. Well, yeah, and before that, there weren't jobs in factories because there weren't factories. Part of the Industrial Revolution was the rise of factories. That's true. Everybody threw down their agrarian tools, like scythes. Forget this hoe. I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Right? Clever wordplay. Thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, they moved to the cities. And when they moved to the cities, all of a sudden, there was a lot of people who needed to move about. And they didn't have cars. Partially because cars hadn't been invented yet. That was one reason. But also, even beyond that, like, not everybody could afford a horse, but they still needed to get someplace. So. That's a good point. City fathers in these areas, Paris, London, uh, London first. Yeah. And then, um, because well, I think it was the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. And then, and then New York, um, said, all right, we need to figure out how to move a bunch of these people at once. And what they came up with was mass transit, but it was all above ground mass transit. Yeah. And it involved horses. Remember the Wind Cries Typhoid Mary episode? Oh, yeah. One horse produces 20 pounds of poop per day. Yeah. And New York had like 100,000 horses or something like that walking around. Yeah. You know how much poop a subway train produces? Zero. Yeah. There's probably a couple of guys pooping on the train. Yes, but, but that you would attribute nothing. that to the guy on the train. <laughs> yeah, it's true. not really the subway. Dude. That's true. It is not uh, exhaust, as you, as you would call horses poop. Um, I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> so you're right. They had horse-drawn carriages and these cool things called omnibuses, which were longer horse-drawn carriages. Now they're known by their slang term, bus. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what a bus is. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. People in New York 
tourist in New York. Okay. If you're in New York, you got it all figured out. But tour, <laughs> tourist in New York, I would recommend that you occasionally take a bus trip. Don't be afraid of the bus. Like a regular bus or a tourist bus? Like no. a double-decker I mean, bus? Don't, don't take those. <laughs> no, a regular bus. Your, your little Metro card, you might not even know this if you've just been to New York like once. It works on the buses sure. as well as the subways. Yeah. And a lot of times if you're like uptown at the park, you're like, man, I can't find a subway stop near me. I need to get downtown. Just walk to the edge, and chances are you're going to see a bus with its own little lane that's just going south. And you get a nice views of everything. Mm-hmm. You're out, out and about, up above ground. And that's just my advice to tourists. Don't be afraid of the buses in New York. Hmm. It could be a great way to get around. There's also cabs, you know. Yeah, but, you know, those are expensive, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not when Discovery Channel's paying for it. But <laughs> <laughs> when I'm there on my own dime, I take a lot of buses and subways. Do you really? Yeah, sure. I didn't know that. It's subway, yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize you took the bus. Yeah, buses are great. I, I had no idea. Yep. So you take the bus and you know where your local elector lives. That's right. That's pretty impressive, Chuck. So what happened with these buses, though, and with all the horse poop, is they said this is getting out of hand. Yeah. Um, we need to go underground because there's no more room up here. Yeah. We, we'd love to build trains, but we can't because there's too many people. Yep. So look, too many bagel shops. Right. So London did it first, right? Yes. 1863 is when it opened. Yeah. God knows when they started construction. I bet someone knows. God. Besides God. <laughs> um, and uh, then within 40 years, I guess, Paris opened theirs because it was such a, a huge success. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just brilliant. The problem is it was also, like, planning-wise, it was a brilliant move. But um, construction-wise, it, 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 like, makes almost no sense whatsoever. It's like, yeah. hey, where's the hardest place we can put this mass transit system? I've got it. Yeah. Uh, through a river, like under bedrock. <laughs> right. Um, and basically through every obstacle that we can create, it, that we've already created. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's but talk about this. These days, they have this really cool machine called a tunnel boring machine. Yeah. Did you see these? Yeah, it looks awesome. It's pretty amazing. It's basically like a trimmer worm. Yeah. But a mechanized one that won't turn on you. Exactly. Um, and I hope people caught that little reference. Which one? <laughs> so this TBM, tunnel boring machine, um, has discs and scrapers. And it crushes rock into into pebbles and it, sand. It has like a conveyor belt that comes out the back. So it is kind of like Poops excreting. It out. Yep. And then dudes get rid of that stuff. And uh, it actually supports the tunnel as it digs. Yeah. And does a really, really great job. But... Um, we they're, all love the TBM. They're fairly new, though. They didn't have these back in the day. Yeah. Um, so back in the day, they had to do it by hand. Yeah. <laughs> by Picks, hand. Picks, shovels, dynamite. dynamite. Yeah. Or TNT, depending on where your preferences lie. That's true. Um, yeah, so this was kind of a problem in that you didn't have a conveyor belt. You had to use a pick. You frequently ran into rock. And sometimes you had to dig into the bedrock. But, you know, bedrock, that's just like, that's the actual Earth's surface. Everything else, like yeah. mud and dirt, that's just like runoff. Yeah. Did you realize that? Yeah. I just recently realized that. I've known that for years. <laughs> but that bedrock, it's kind of tough to get through. Yeah. Um, New York City alone um, had 8,000 laborers uh, to work on this project, mm-hmm. about 60 of which died. And I don't even know if they have a count on the injury sustained. Yeah. I'm sure it was like 60 a day injured 
Do you think? I don't know. Thousands of injuries. Let's just say that. Um, did, did you look up the new Austrian tunneling method? I did. I, I want to know about this. I didn't have a chance to. I, I, I can't tell you. Please tell me. It, it, it is, it, it had like eight different tenants. So it's not so much a method of digging as it is a, uh, as Tracy points out, a collection of techniques for digging. And finding out where to dig. Yeah, where to dig and how to dig. Um, so like, what are they? Like never no, dig on a Tuesday? Remember. Are they random like that or? <laughs> no, no, they're not random like that. But okay. I, I, you know, we should do an article on tunneling period because it's pretty amazing. Okay. Let's and the reason they called it the new Austrian method was to distinguish it from the old Austrian method. Was there really an old Austrian yeah, method? I guess that uh, they must be the king tunnelers. Huh. Like Charles Brunson. Is he Austrian? Uh, no, but he was the tunneler in Great Escape. I didn't know. He that. was the tunnel expert. I got you. Um, so that, that's, that was from, uh, Reservoir Dogs. That was a line. At one point, someone says, he's like Charles Bronson in, uh, Great Escape. He was digging tunnels. <laughs> really? Yeah. Great line. How did I miss that line? I don't know. Well, so you just referenced a reference of a movie. <laughs> I did. Uh, the, the, the method that they used for a long time, um, was the cut and cover method, which this, this is crazy. Sense. They like literally rip up a street, right? Put a subway there and then build the street back on top. It makes utter and complete sense for a couple of reasons. Number one, subways are meant to serve like areas, streets, right? It's sure. basically like a, a street that happens to be underground that moves a bunch of people at once yeah okay so following a street makes a lot of sense no it especially does. if you're a planner um the problem is you are completely ripping up a street temporarily yeah because you're what you're doing is you're digging a trench and then rebuilding the earth above it yeah but the good thing is is you can rebuild the earth above it even stronger it's like steve austin or something like oh that, really right yeah like you dig a trench as far down as you want your subway to be. Mm -hmm. And you put in pilings. You drive them down. Right. Preferably into bedrock if you can. And then you put like uh, tresses and beams over those. Nice buttress every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can rebuild the the ground and the road up above it. You can also reroute any um, sewer lines, any power lines, any anything through these tresses and beams. Frankly, I'm a, a cut and cover method guy yeah <laughs> well it also makes sense because the streets are probably not gonna you're probably not gonna run into as many obstacles right um like a basement of a major building yeah exactly because there wouldn't be a major building in the middle of the street there was a cool part in the devil in the white city did you ever read that no man that's on the list i it, need to get it's to good. that you'll like it a lot um where they're talking about how chicago built the first skyscrapers oh yeah yeah and um Basically, they, they figured out how to float the foundations of the building above the bedrock because the bedrock was really far down and there was like this sandy shifting soil. Oh, wow. And I can't remember it specifically, but it's like, wow, I'm, I'm riveted by this description of an architectural technique, a building technique that they figured out. So you didn't even need the murders. I found them superfluous. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was a good book. And I'm not one for like popular fiction like that. Either. Yeah. Popular semi-fiction. Uh, historical fiction. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I like it. Um, so we were talking about obstacles and that is a big problem when you're, when you're digging tunnels, especially under a city that's already has an infrastructure in place. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to run into things that you can move sometimes. You're going to run into things that you can't move sometimes yeah. that you have to move around. 
So like, have you ever been in, in a subway, especially in New York, that really slows down and takes one of those hard turns? Mm-hmm. It may be because, you know, that's the direction you need to start going now, but more than likely it's because they had to reroute it. Um, especially if it's an old section of the subway. Yeah, very true. Because now you can just put the TBM on that thing and it's like, whatever you need, guys, I'll go get it. Well, yeah, but I'm talking more along the lines of man-made obstructions like oh, okay. gas lines, sure. pneumatic lines, no, water but with, lines. With those, like water lines are probably very tough, but all of those can be rerouted. Yeah. You can basically reroute the line rather than reroute the subway line. It probably depends on which one's more cost-effective is what they go with. Sure. You know, um, you can also, like I said, if you're doing a cut and cover method, you can um, you can basically hang those same lines from these. You can use the beams and tresses yeah. as support for those same lines. That's too. true. That makes sense. Sometimes, as Tracy pointed out, you see lines that aren't on any blueprints. You're like, wait a minute, what's this big pipe doing here? Yeah. It doesn't show up on any registry that we have for the city. Uh, we got to find out what this is to see if we can move it. Yeah. Or maybe it's old and unused and you can maybe. just like throw it away. That'd be great. Maybe it's full of dangerous gases. Yeah. Which is not great. No. Or full of water. Or maybe you hit an aquifer. Yeah, water is a big one. Yeah. If you hit an aquifer, well, you know what that is. That's just a bunch of water pooled on top of the bedrock. That's right. Which is really the surface of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you can hit an aquifer. You might have to, say, cross a river, like the East River. Yeah. Um, and when you do that, you have to generally tunnel under it. Yeah. Which is extremely dangerous because then not only... You don't just have a street that can collapse on top of you. You have a river that can collapse on top of you. And rivers tend to weigh more than streets. Yeah, and you can drown in a river. You can't drown in a street. Right. Unless it's full of water. Um, I thought this was pretty clever how they, how uh, was it Paris in the Seine? People yeah. were drowning. So they basically put down like pods and then sent compressed air into the pod and blew all the water out. Yeah. And then men went into these pods and worked. And they use the same thing or a similar technique in um, building the Brooklyn Bridge pylons. But the problem was like people would come up and get the bends oh, just yeah. from working beneath the water surface, but in a dry like area filled yeah, yeah. with compressed air. Wow. Because they were down so far and they'd just come up without thinking about it and get the bends. Huh. Well, the good news is if you're working under the water like that, you're probably going to get a little pay bump. Yeah. Like hazard pay, as yeah. they call it. Um and the other cool thing they did in Paris, too, was they, they found that um, some of this mud and, like, wet dirt, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is mud, right. was too hard to deal with. So they froze it with calcium chloride, and all of a sudden they removed it like it was a big chunk of clay. Yeah. Pretty neat. It was very clever. And that was old-timey construction, too. Oh, was that back in the day? I believe so. Wow. I didn't realize that they were that clever back then. It's pretty smart. Um you can also basically use the cut and cover method in... Uh, You're big on that. In a, I love that. I'm going to make you a t-shirt that says cut and cover. <laughs> I would wear that. It just makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. Um, 
so you can use the cut and cover method across a river. That's yeah. what they did in the San Francisco Bay. Um, they basically just cut the tunnel they wanted and prefabricated the um, sections of the subway tunnel and put it in the trench and then just covered it back up. Wow. And I guess like waited for the water to leak out over the course of several decades. Right. <laughs> Um, in very old cities like Paris, they have also uncovered some pretty interesting things, um, like catacombs full of human bones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole documentary on that. Really? The catacombs, yeah. Uh, cannonballs, quarries, very deep quarries. This is kind of cool. I thought this is very cool. Some of the quarries in Paris were, uh, so deep that they had to actually build bridges, underground bridges for the subway to get across. Yeah. So it's an elevated train underground. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Across ancient Roman quarries. Man. I mean, that is crazy. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like cool stuff like that. Um, like abandoned subway stations. Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing. And I know a lot of people who listen to us are, there's a website called, um, nycsubway.org and they have like little reports on like stations when they were built, when they were decommissioned, why. Yeah photos taken of them after they were abandoned and there's actually a little trick chuck um where if you were on the six train i know you're talking about do you i think so the city hall stop yeah yeah so if you're on the six train and you're headed toward the brooklyn bridge stop and you stay on right the train will actually go around a loop to turn around and go the other way that loop goes through an old abandoned um metro stop or mta stop and um it's this incredible stained glass architecture, like preserved turn of the century subway station yeah. that's just like frozen in time. It, it was in operation from like 1904 to 1945. Yeah. And they used to make everybody get off at Brooklyn Bridge, but now they'll let people stay on. Do they? Yeah. Because I couldn't find recent information. I saw an article <laughs> today that said they did that for a while. Now they're not. Oh, really? And then I, I saw another that. one that said, no, you can um, I wonder if it's just arbitrary, like depending on know. who's watching. I know that they cleaned it up in 2004 and made yeah. it like kind of, I don't think they like put tons of money toward restoration, but they cleaned it up really nice and uh, allowed like light to come through the stained glass. Yeah. And for a little while, they let people stop and get off and kind of tour it. Oh, really? But uh, no, they shut that down. Yeah, because the whole reason, well, one of the big reasons they shut it down is because there's such a tight curve. Yeah. That the, um, the modern subway cars can't sit flush up against the platform. Yeah. So there's a pretty big gap that people would have to jump over to get off. Yeah. So I can imagine you can't get off. But from what I saw, it was a 2010 article. Okay. It said you can stay on now. Well, I'm, I've been meaning to check that out. I'm going in November. I'll check it out. Yeah, do. Let me know. Report right. back. I will report back. Okay. Um, so, rolling stock are what these trains are actually called. Uh -huh. And in some cities, the rolling stock is uh, automated. Like Denmark, the one they're building now, mm -hmm. doesn't have drivers, which is kind of neat. They have, like, you know, laser beams and uh, and all these crazy surveillance <laughs> systems to drive the train. The, the computerized, what, no? Yeah, no, you're like, <laughs> laser beams. Laser beams and <laughs> well, they do. They do. And um, they navigate it. They use uh, brake heat to generate power. Yeah. They will even let you know if someone's stuck in the door um, yeah, well, to the, open the door back up. And did not drive away. Not drive away while someone's stuck. Yeah. In New York, they're actually trying out some of these now, too, actually. Uh, yeah. Automated so trains. I didn't see when this um, article was written, but they were. It was, Tracy made mention of the uh, 
um, the the addition that's being made to Long Island is this going on still? Uh, and like just this revamping that's going on. I imagine yeah. it's constant. Well, the revamping, I think it was a seventeen billion dollar bid in ninety yeah. four, and they're adding new lines. They're trying to spruce up the trains and like you know replace the old cars. Mm-hmm. They're improving the air circulation, which he points out. Like just because it's open. Uh, up top, an air, a little bit of air can get in doesn't mean you don't have to have like a massive air circulation system. Right. And if you've ever been like deep within the bowels of the subway system, then you might be wondering if it's working mm-hmm. <laughs> properly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it is or you'd be dead. Yeah, you'd die. Yeah. Yeah. There, the, um, it takes a tremendous amount of air to be recirculated to allow humans to live underground. I think she said something. What was it? Yeah. 600,000 cubic feet of fresh air per minute. Is what is what they're shooting for. I don't think it's there now, but yeah, that's their goal. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about some of the signals? Yeah, train signals. Yeah. So um, before a long, long time ago, when a uh, driver reached a stoplight and had to come to a stop, they had to put a key in and turn it to reset the stoplight and be able to drive. And there's a term called keying by that they still use. So they do cool. still use it. Yeah. Now it's much more automated. Um, but there's, there's still a, a set of signals where it's like stop, proceed with caution, green light, you know, just Full bore. go as fast as you can. Yeah. They do have speed limits. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. They're posted too, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I mean, the driver can see them at least. Imagine if you were looking and you were up front, <laughs> you could probably see them. And- you could. And tap the driver on the shoulder and be like, we are going way <laughs> faster than that. Yeah. I mean, Marta here in Atlanta, which is sort of a subway, you can, um, I mean, you can ride right up front by the, the person. And I've done this many times and just kind of spied in on how you drive the Marta train. Yeah. And every time I look, I'm like, I could totally drive this thing right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. It's just like it's got a little forward lever and a neutral and a reverse. Right. And a brake. Yeah. And then that's pretty much it. Yeah. I could go do it right now. You could drive with your <laughs> arms crossed, right? Mar- have you seen, it's been going around Facebook, the Marta map compared to the rest of the world. It's pretty <laughs> I haven't funny. seen it on Facebook. But. Oh, it's like New York, London, Paris, and they all look like a plate of spaghetti. And then it's Atlanta with its little plus sign. Plus sign. <laughs> it's got two branches. But I will argue that, I mean, it does suck in a way, but I will argue that Atlanta didn't build its subway in 1863. They built it in like 1970-something and stopped. Yeah, but yeah, it stopped. Okay. I was going to say this isn't a work in progress. No, they've added some stuff since then. Yeah, a little bit, but really yeah, it's pretty it, bad. it does suck in every way. I mean, it's, it, it, it's great if it goes from the one place you need to go to the other place you need to go. Sure. And chances are that's not the case. And it, sometimes it does, though, especially if you live near a rail line. But even still, you make one big L. Yeah. I mean, it's great for me. I'm like... Falcons game day. Yeah. You know, hop right down the street, hop on there, my brown bag, hop off. I'm right at the stadium. Yeah. It's nice. Your brown bag. <laughs> to, you know, for hyperventilation. Right. In case something bad goes down. In case the 600,000 <laughs> cubic liters of air isn't moved through. Nah, most of Atlanta's above ground. Yes, Not it is. Subway, really. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It sucks in every way. Uh, these things run on electricity these days. Not like the old steam train days. Yeah. I don't even know that that was worth mentioning. Well, I think so, because you have the third rail that everyone knows is very dangerous. Yeah, 625 volts in New York, and you have 120 coming into your house. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it'll get you. (laughs) 
It'll fry a rat. Like, they're not kidding. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the third rail is between the two tracks. Sometimes it's on the outside. And then you generally have a, a brush or a shoe, sliding shoe or a wheel that uh, connects to that. And that supplies power to the train. And um, they used to have its own power plant to run the subway system in New York. In New York, yeah. yeah. I guess these days they just mooch it from everyone. <laughs> yes. You know? If you follow a, a cord in a subway, it's actually going into somebody's living room. <laughs> it's coming through the window. Yeah. I think the fact of the podcast, I'll give it to you, but to me, it's the geometry train. Yeah, I've seen these before, but... Um, you have? I've seen ones that were just... They were, it looks like a little platform or something like that going huh. by. Yeah. Well... Or I, I dreamt one. Yeah? Uh, yeah, this one the, in the diagrams, like, full of computers and people. I haven't seen that. But basically a geometry train, like if you have, a, you know, hundreds and thousands and millions of miles of subway track. Yeah. And some of it dates back a hundred years. Um, thanks to seismic activity, fire, um, weather. Yeah. People. Heavy trains. Yes. All this stuff is going to basically pull your tracks out of alignment. And tracks need to be fairly precise to keep trains from like hopping off. Yeah. Right. So to, um, to basically keep or find, I should say, the rails that are out of alignment, they have this thing called a geometry train, which have your lasers that you're so fond of. <laughs> and uh, it basically just goes down the track, every track, and these things are running like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, yeah, the one in New York runs at all times. Right. Pretty cool. And uh, and you would think it would have to. Yeah, sure. I wonder how long it takes for a geometry train. To hit every yeah. inch of track? Yeah. Man, that's a good question. It's got to take years. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it just rides along and takes precise measurements of the alignment of the tracks. And anything that's over 1.25 inches yeah. out of alignment, there's a report that's filed and says, go fix that track. And they also, just as an added bonus, the geometry train finds hot spots using heat sensors and shoots them with fire extinguishers. Right. Like if there's something flammable near the track that could uh, combust. Yeah, whether it's like a Doritos bag, yeah, a cool ranch Doritos bag, right? Uh, any dude. kind of Doritos bag. <laughs> well, the dude's probably already toast anyway. If he's on the third rail, he is. And uh, that's a good reference for our spontaneous combustion podcast. That's right. Uh, in New York City, and in, in many cities, the fare does not cover the cost of running this massive system. Yeah, Take like about half. half, yeah, New York. So. Um, if you're complaining about the price of a subway in New York, just remember it could be double. Yeah. If they were to cover all the costs. So count your blessings, New Yorkers. Yeah. Don't complain to me. And thank New York for big government. <laughs> if you like the subway. Uh, Tracy points out that the subways and at least the tunnels over the years have been the site of refuge and terror. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great setup, Chuck. It's true, though. Oh yeah, it is. Um, during World War One and Two, in uh, London and Paris, I believe 
people sought cover against air raids um, yeah. in uh, the subways. And, but World War One, I, I was like, that's when they were dropping bricks on each other. <laughs> like, really, that's how you would take down a plane. You'd fly over a, a, another airplane and drop a brick and just go right through a wing, and that was that for the plane. Was that it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought they at least had the little tube, like the thump, and it would shoot something like the, somewhere. Oh, that's a mortar, but that's ground-based. Oh, that's those are mortars? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess you would still need to take refuge against a mortar. It doesn't have to be a plane, and a mortar comes through in air, so yeah. Air raid, if you want to get technical. <laughs> but yes, World War II for sure. Yes. During the uh, Blitz um, of London, there were a lot of people underground in the tube seeking help and shelter. That's right, as are the mole people. Um, if you haven't seen the documentary Dark Days, yeah, highly recommended. Is that about the mole people? Or this is like, the uh, it was a, it's a group of homeless people. They don't identify themselves as mole people. I think right? mole people is one of those terms that, you know, the people above ground made up. Yeah. Uh, somewhat sensational. But there are people living underground. Some haven't been up in a long, long time. Yeah. And this dude made the documentary. I think he actually went underground and lived there for a couple of years to do this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So he wasn't like, you know, I'll be down there for a few hours on Wednesday. Right. But then I have Everybody my spa sharp. appointment after that. So I need to right. get back above ground. Um, and then in, in 1995, uh, everyone remembers the Tokyo sarin gas episode. Yeah. Killed 12 people. I'm sure that was incredibly frightening. Um, London, 2005. Seven, the what? 7-7. Seven, seven. It was July 7th, Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Was that significant or? No, that's just how they refer to it. Like we refer to 9-11 as 9-11. Oh, and they, they say 7-7. Seven, seven. Seven, seven. Interesting. Yeah. And then in our own uh, 9-11, um, it destroyed a uh, subway station and damaged some of the track. I think we talked about that in the um, 9-11 memorial episode. Yeah, I think you're right. Didn't they preserve it somehow? Like there, one of the trains is going to be in the museum? I think so. Because that rang a bell to me. I'm going to hit that up in November as well. Oh, man, I can't wait to go to that. Yeah, me too. It's going to be something else. Um, originally, you had tickets. Uh, then that became coins. <clears throat> uh, these days... You might have an RFID ticket. Yeah. Um, I think I was, I was in Switzerland. It was like an honor system thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. I remember being there and looking around like, I don't see like where you put the ticket in or anything. Uh -huh. I think it's just honor system. Huh. It was either Switzerland or Sweden. I think it was Switzerland. And I just remember thinking these people are crazy. Right. They <laughs> this the United like, States. <laughs> dummies. So you just didn't pay a cent just to teach them a lesson? Yeah. Yeah. No, I paid my fare. So, Chuck, yeah. train car, if you are a train car, how uh, how many axles are you going to go through if you're in New York, if you're part of their system in your lifetime? <laughs> well, you're going to live about 40 to 50 years. Mm -hmm. um, you will go through 24 axles and 24 motors over the span, so about every two years. Right. You're going to get gussied up a little. You're going to get 48 wheels over that time. Yeah. Not bad. Not at once. And at the end of your lifespan, they will dump you in the ocean off the coast of South Carolina. Have you seen pictures of that? Yeah. Yeah. It's so pretty remarkable. I found a whole uh, little gallery. It's only like 10 pictures. But, yeah. Um, on fastcodedesign.com, um, they have, a, it, it's called Surreal Photos of Subway Cars Being Thrown into the Ocean. It is surreal. It's really neat. Because you look at that and you're like, no, whoa, how could you? Yeah. And then, oh, it's good for the environment somehow. Right. <laughs> As long as they take the gas out first and the oil. All right. So I got some more little fun things. I want to hear it. Uh, the overhaul and repair shop on Coney Island mm -hmm. is where it all goes down. 
Um, they have over one, two, three, over 500,000 square feet of shop space. You just counted that fast? Yeah. I just, you know. <laughs> one, two, three, 500,000. <laughs> I wasn't counting each square foot. I one got by you. One. I got you. Um, and this is where everything goes to get work done in New York. Everything. They can even work on regular trains. Um, they can store 1,800 subway cars there. And they have a car wash. That um, the has, subway car wash. Yeah. Okay. Not they, just they, they were making it extra money. Side <laughs> they also have bake sales. Two seventy five. It cleans the exteriors of over one thousand cars uh, once a week, uh, and that's fifty thousand washes in a year. It's a lot of washes. Then they uh, just came out with the new um, survey on the New York subway system, and the Q line was ranked the number one line. Which where is that? I'm not sure. Though, Q runs between Coney Island, Stowell Avenue, and Brooklyn, and Astoria, Ditmas, Boulevard, and Queens. Hmm. So, in other words, that's the one no one takes. <laughs> so it's very clean? It's very clean. Uh, and for the fourth year in a row, the C train was ranked as the worst. Um, it failed in all four measures. Uh, amount of scheduled service, delays caused by mechanical breakdowns, uh, cleanliness, and announcements. Um, whether or not the announcements like are even... Something you can hear mm-hmm. and make sense, or whether it's just garbled mess. Yeah, see, this is why I can't, uh, like, I, 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 I can't do it by myself. Yeah, well, you certainly don't get any help most of the time from the, uh, the, uh, conductor? Yeah. Driver? Yeah. We, well, sh- we should know this. <laughs> I would think, uh, conductor. Ticket taker. Ticket taker. Uh, and then New York ranks number seven in ridership in the world. Uh, Tokyo is first. Uh, Moscow, Beijing, Shanghai, Seoul, uh, Guangzhou. <laughs> Where's that? China. Is it? I would imagine. Well, I mean, that's that, a Chinese word. I <laughs> just haven't heard of that. Huh. Uh, Paris, Mexico City, and Hong Kong. Uh, London's not even in the top 10 in that ridership. So, and that's the number one. Um, but you know why? Because World War II happened and everybody got cars afterward. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of subway lines just kind of fell into disrepair, and like a whole generation was raised without really using subways. Yeah, and black cabs are so roomy and private. Yeah. But not just in London, in, in um the in the United States especially. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because we talked about the L.A. Uh, and why do cars mm-hmm. become the predominant form of transportation? Yeah, yeah. Um, number of miles traveled by an average subway car um, in between repairs in New York. 1982, that was 7,000. 2011, 172,000. Wow. But I think that means they're taking better care of them, (laughs) not that they're just shirking their responsibilities. Right. Uh, New York in 2011, all the subways combined traveled 342 million miles. And in total, New York's 468 stations are only 60 fewer than the rest of the subway systems in the United States combined. Wow. Pretty cool. That's my favorite for sure. And end to end, they always have these. If you laid the tracks end to end, <laughs> right. uh, New York cities would go from New York to Chicago. That's it. I thought for sure you're going like to go around like the Mars world. or something. <laughs> no, just New York to Chicago. Really? That's pretty good though. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed. And the lowest station, if you've ever felt a little weird <clears> at 191st <throat> Street in Manhattan, that's because you are 180 feet below ground. Huh. Isn't that crazy? Probably schist. They ran into a schist problem. So they had to go down. You should tell people what that is. Well, it's very hard rock. It's a metamorphic rock, yeah. and it tends to <laughs> flake 
rather than break. So it's very hard to get through. That's my motto. Flake, don't break. <laughs> we came up with like three <laughs> mottos and catchphrases in this one. Cut and cover. Yeah. Flake, don't break. Yeah. And uh, I guess don't take the C train. Is that? That was the Maybe. And the C train is like, it's insult to injury because I think the A, C, and E are like the blue line. Mm-hmm. And the A and the E are doing pretty well. And the C is like the ugly stepchild. Where is it? Where does it go? Oh, it goes all over. Like you can get it down in the West Village. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it goes north and then cuts over somewhere around Midtown and then goes up the east side, I think. Does it, it doesn't go into Brooklyn? I don't think so. Is it the L train? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> you know more than I do, man. I just, I miss the old, and I guess they still have some, but the old red, like the, the seven train, I remember had those old red trains that look like trains. They didn't look like subways. They, just, I don't, they no, look like regular locomotives to me. I like my subways to look like subways. Trains should look like trains. Smell like poop. <laughs> gum. Apparently in New York, the gum is so bad in some that you can lose your shoe. I can see that. <laughs> you can actually get mired in the gum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got anything else? No. Give up your seat for the ladies. That's what I got to say. That's a big one. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Good going, Chuck. That's a fine ending. <laughs> if you want to learn more about subway etiquette and uh, the tunnel boring machine and the cut and cover method... You can type in subways, S-U-B-W-A-Y-S, into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it'll bring up this fine article by Tracy V. Wilson. Uh, and since I said uh, search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this one was a, an anniversary of um, two two young people in love. Okay. And we had something to do with that. Okay. <clears throat> uh, guys, I've never written in before. I just thought I would be appropriate, uh, seeing as my boyfriend and I are celebrating our three-year anniversary is partly due to you guys. A few years back, uh, Nathan was trying and failing to win over my heart. And then he began striking up conversations about the weirdest things like abandoned cities, blood pressure, and robots. I found this odd at first, but then began to love this quirk of his. It's like, she fell in love with us. Let's get real. Yeah. Not Nathan. He brought up the blood pressure episode? Yeah. Well, that's what she says. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, long story short, he ended up winning me over. Not long ago, I was poking around his iTunes library. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's dangerous. Uh, and discovered the source of his information, YouTube. Uh, we both love the show now and sometimes sneak out of our houses to make spontaneous midnight trips to McDonald's and listen to your show while eating Big Macs in the car. Young love so sweet like that. Yeah, sweet and terrible for your arteries. Uh, from time to time, I'll make him pancakes for dinner. Uh, and we'll listen. <laughs> I love that. And we'll listen as we, really I, do all the cooking. Uh, he does, however, get a little agitated whenever I mention that Chuck has a sexy voice. <laughs> Can you just see him, like, throwing his pancakes and stomping <clears throat> around the apartment? Josh is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and that is from Monique in California. And um, congratulations, Monique. Yeah. Um, and Nathan. Pancakes for for dinner. That's right. A couple that listens to SYSK together stays together. Exactly. Um, let's see. If we brought you together, I want to hear about that, right? Sure. Um, if we brought you and a loved one together or estranged you from your family, either way, <laughs> um, we want to know about it. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can uh, join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 